What's up, everybody? It's me, Armand, back with another episode. Today's guest, we have Laura Benedetto. At age 19, Laura founded Vision Advertising, and by 23, she was named a Fortune 40 Under 40 winner. Laura then went on to retire from Vision Advertising at 37 and had plenty of accolades to show for her success, but for Laura, something was off. It didn't feel quite right. She didn't feel happy or fulfilled. So then Laura did what Laura does and set off to find the formula for happiness, which she then writes about in her book, The Six Habits. Laura is a book author and a TED Talker, a life coach, a startup founder, and an overall really great person. I had so much fun doing this episode, and there's a lot of valuable tips and tricks for you people out there that are listening. Thank you for tuning into the Play Hard Podcast. Work hard, play hard, work hard, play hard, work hard, play hard, work hard, play hard. I love Massachusetts a lot. And even though I left, I can still say that uh, it's still one of my favorite states uh, in the nation because it has such beautiful landscapes. It's got the ocean, it's got mountains, it's got incredible food, it's got um, great design and museums and a lot of culture and a lot of history. I mean, did I mention the food? It's it's a great place to be. <laughs> yeah. The history was definitely something I noticed. I really, yeah, that was one of my favorite parts, actually. I'm can sometimes be kind of a history nerd. So it was cool to be able to like go in some of the buildings and stand where, you know, the country was started really. Yes. Yes. It's, it's really, really nice to be able to um, just witness history. So what exactly is your story and journey of entrepreneurship? I know you started around six companies. Um, two of them are still thriving. And one is the one you started at 19, the very first one. Uh, yeah, you might actually, I have story? three companies. Um, so, um, yeah, I've, I've started a whole bunch of different things. And that's the thing about entrepreneurship that no one tells you is not everything you start, you're going to finish. Um, you know, I've, I've started a handful of businesses and either got bored or disinterested or just like, eh, this isn't very fun and I don't want to do it. And if I'm going to commit my life to something, I, I need to not hate it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So my first business was started at 19. I started a marketing company. It's still going today. It's still going strong. I'm very, very proud of where the company is. Um, I retired from that active duty in um, 2018. So now I'm the CEO that has to like show up like an hour or two a month. And that's fine. I paid my dues for 18 years. So I put someone else in place to run the company for me. Um, she's wonderful. Um, so there's that. My second company is... Um, it's all about consulting. It's my education company. Mm. It's Laura Benedetto Inc. Uh, and it's where you can get my book and you can do consulting. You can get your hands on my 90 day program that will change your life in 90 days or less guaranteed. Um, and then my third company is ammunition manufacturing. Oh, nice. That's pretty sweet. When did that start up? Uh, that actually started up late, uh, late last year. Okay. So it's a still, uh, it's a new enterprise. Uh, it's very exciting. There's a uh, massive demand and um, my husband's former military and as a business leader who cares very much about sovereignty, um, it just seemed like a natural thing. Also, I get to work with my best friend. So oh, well, that's, that's a business a, I'll be sticking with. Yeah, that's yeah. a huge plus. Um, that's sure one thing is. I love about entrepreneurship is uh, you can kind of pick who you work with and 
working with people that you like, it doesn't just have to be like your partners, but it could also be your clients. You really get to pick who you surround yourself with. Absolutely. And to me, that's like one of the the things I love so much about it. Um, And it's really cool. I personally don't know too much about the ammunition world, but a friend of mine does and was telling me that the prices are ridiculous right now for buying ammo. And I'm sure uh, manufacturing is probably doing really well for you. Um, It's... uh... It's a very successful business um, to be in. Uh, we're at the very beginning stages, and mm. um, you know, by the time this is released, we'll probably be off to the races much more than we are now. But we're very much in nice. our startup phase currently, at least as of this recording date. Um, it's exciting, and we have some uh, pretty awesome plans behind us. Um, I'm the nerdy person who like really enjoys writing business plans. And like doing market research and strategizing to, you know, build a 10-year exit strategy and stuff like that. Um, it's just really cool. It's really, really cool. I know a lot more about ammo than I ever used to. <laughs> Sounds like it. And also, I think it's really cool that you um, you retired at 37. You totally don't have to, but it seems like you don't like resting easy. You, you like starting no. these new businesses and coming with these plans and... Yeah. 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 So I just, I I wanted to retire from that business, not retire and just sit on my butt. Cause like entrepreneurs have a hard time sitting still. We like to solve problems and do all kinds of different things. And, um, the, the thing that happened is I just got burnt out. Um, Mm. and 18 years of anything will do that. So it's nothing against me, nothing against the company, nothing against the clients. It's just 18 years is just a lot of something. And I really respect and admire the people who can go hard on something for 50 years. I'm just not one of them. Um, so I was like, all right, it's time for me to go on and, you know, move on to something else. Um, so, uh, you know, I retired, I actually found myself very burnt out and very unhappy, which is where my book came from because I wanted to understand like why people were not happy because I wasn't happy. Uh, turns out I was just chasing the symbols of happiness, like the money, the awards, the, this, the, that, but not actually finding genuine happiness, which is inside of us. So I wanted to understand how to manufacture that figured out the recipe changed my life massively so much so that I decided to move to Hawaii, uh, lived there for a while. And then, uh, the pandemic happened, just changed our plans. And, you know, then we came to Florida and I was like, well, so got me some palm trees but now I've got a booming economy. So that's, that's, true. that's better. Yeah. Yeah. Besides like, you know, I, I just love my warm, you know, warm air, friendly people. There's, there's Aloha in Florida too. <laughs> I can relate to the warm air, friendly people. Um, yeah. what, how, so how did you realize uh, you were starting to get burnt out? Was it something that you noticed or did it happen all of a sudden or was it like slowly no, it creeping does. up over no, time? No, it slowly creeps up. Yeah. When you, um, you know, when you experience burnout, I mean, you look like you you could be my son. You're so young. <laughs> That's awesome. Full of life. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, it's uh, it's wonderful. But like, you know, when you do something for a long period of time, the burnout doesn't hit you like a truck. It hits you a little bit at a time. You don't even notice it first. You know, it just kind of sneaks up on you, and like one day you're like, "Damn, I just don't have the best." energy right now, or I'm in a bad mood a lot Mm. or, you know, little things you just don't notice, but I started to notice, um, probably I'd say around like 32 that I was starting to get burnt out enough. So where I was like, I need to solve this problem. So, um, you know, unfortunately it also affected my health in ways I could not see. 
Um, there was a lot of internal issues I was struggling with, um, you know, anxiety attacks that were so bad, um, that I thought I was having a heart attack and I went to the emergency room a couple of times, really frightening, 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 frightening. You feel like your heart's stopping when you're in your thirties, like something's wrong. Um, but like a lot of GI issues, internal bleeding and all stress induced. Wow. So, I mean, all of these different things were, they were just wake up calls in, amidst a whole bunch of other things like, wow, I appear to be in a permanent bad mood. Look at that. My staff doesn't like me um, because I'm a jerk and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, after a while, even the most obtuse person can put the clues together and be like, yeah, huh, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, honestly, really commendable that you were able to see that and turn it around because some people go their entire lives, uh, end up being, you know, that grumpy 70 year old, telling kids to get off their lawn and they just never really see it happen. So I think it's really cool that you ended up turning that around and I mean, making a, telling your story too. You've done Ted talks, you've done um, plenty of podcasts from you wrote a whole book. Like I think, yeah, that's really awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, my goal is to help other people not go through what I went through because when I discovered the better way, I started living the better way. Um, and the second company was born and then, you know, the third company was born and, 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 you know, it's so different now because when I show up and I do leadership with my marketing company, it's coming from a place of joy and energy. Hmm. Um, even though it's only two hours a month, even, you know, during the pandemic, I had to do quite a bit more, um, you know, just to help out because things went sideways. Of course they did when, did that for everybody. So, um, but it was really coming from just a different place. You know, I found myself being a a good leader that my staff was thanking me for being, and, uh, I was having fun and I was enjoying what I was doing. And I found that success was easier and more fun. And, um, you know, it just changes your perspective. Like my marriage is better. Like I'm, my body is healing. It takes a while, you know, when you basically set yourself on fire, like it doesn't go out overnight. Um, you know, um, it's just different. So the book came about from wanting to share that because it was just so, so like revolutionary to be able to like go from like, I'm swirling the drain help to, wow, life's amazing. This is fun. You know? Yeah. And were any of your original employees uh, still there at the marketing company? And I've seen that. No, I scared them all off. (laughs) I was going to ask, do you have an outside perspective? But it seems... Uh, not so. Yeah, no, they're like, I mean, I started the company in 1999 and my, uh, my first employee, like, you know, she actually, God bless her. She went on to write a series of books. She's a published author. Wow. She's, she's amazing. Yeah. I, I really admire her. I love what she's done with herself. And, uh, you know, I've kept in touch, um, with the ones that I didn't scare away. Um, but I, I'm, I'm being very honest with you when I tell you that, you know, the, the burnout and everything, you know, it just caused me to be very emotional about things. Um, and just, everything was just bad, you know, in my head and, and therefore mm. I conducted myself in a way that I'm not really proud of, but I don't mind sharing that because we've all had these moments yeah. and it's an invitation for all of us to just maybe get honest with ourselves and be like, shoot, I really could be a better leader. Yeah, you could. Yeah. It's really interesting how, I mean, truly those thoughts we have that we don't tell anyone or, or who we are on the inside. A lot of times we try to hide that, but it finds its way of seeping out externally through every, all our interactions. And if you're constantly Mm -hmm. being negative, like that's, that's going to show up. 
Well, it does. And, you know, I remember like, you know, being stressed and worried about not like not necessarily closing a proposal or worried about Mm -hmm. sales numbers or ambitions or things I wanted to do that I was intimidated about, or I don't know, I was stress eating. So I gained weight and my pants didn't fit me anymore. And I was stressed out and cranky because, you know, I couldn't find anything to wear or, um, maybe I had a fight with my husband that morning and I just let things spill over and I let a lot of things just get to me. And then it just affected how I showed up to other people in ways that I thought I was covering up, but I was not, I see. you know, yeah, it, it's amazing. Like, you know, just looking back, I remember a few moments where I'm just like cringing really hard now. And I'm like, ugh, that sucks. No wonder they don't work for me anymore. I don't blame <laughs> them, but you know, now, now I can say, you know, uh, the crew we have now, they're amazing. And I'm finally the amazing version of myself. I always wanted to be. So it's, it's good. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm really grateful and, uh, you know, um, it's nice that we all kind of grew up together yeah. and I'm, I'm grateful that some of the folks that used to work for me, um, who probably understood me a little bit better. So they didn't take it as personally. Um, you know, we're still in touch and, uh, still have great relationships. Yeah. I mean, it was part of your developing story and who's to say it wasn't a part of theirs. Uh, just seeing how. Yeah, they, absolutely. They yeah. Too. I mean, I, I think the the people who worked for me at the time who took the time to like get to know me and just ask me what's going on, they realized, oh, this has nothing to do with us. She's not okay today or any day. So <laughs> they weren't bothered by it. Yeah. You know, if anything, I mean, I can look back with a lot of appreciation. If anything, I can look back and realize that sometimes they were really going out of their way to take care of me, which is wow. also not their job, but very kind. Yeah. And one thing I was curious about, so I remember hearing in in a, a previous podcast appearance is that you started this marketing agency at 19 because you always had a natural talent for marketing. Um, mm-hmm. Does that have to do with the the strengths or, you know, maybe the talents you were given at birth? Or is that something that throughout your 19 years, you were like, no, this is something I've developed. I picked up. I really get it. Um, so how, do, how did that marketing skill happen? I think God has the answer to that. And I don't. But I think there's probably a blend of nature and nurture. Like marketing and sales have a lot in common. It's basically the art of persuasion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a persuasive person. Always have been. It's a good way of putting it. My parents would probably disagree because they were really good at saying no to me, but maybe that's why I became really persuasive because I had to try harder. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. That's it. It's a good question, but I don't know. It's actually a a relatable response because I'm currently in sales. I do a lot of cold calling, uh, cold emailing. So I've I've gotten used to the the copywriting side of things through emailing and and helping Mm -hmm. out marketing. And then the, the sales thing where you're talking to people who really don't want to talk to you in the first place. And then you're trying to book meetings from there. Uh, I know. And you got to charm their pants off and be like, come on, you don't want to hang up on me. Come on. My favorite thing. I was actually talking to um, uh, our, our business development professional uh, earlier. And she's like, you know, she's just talking to me. She's like, Oh man, cold calling is so awkward. I'm like, yeah, but think about the movies and think about the movies that have like the awkward geeky character that always says dumb stuff he's charming because he leans into the awkwardness. So I remember doing cold calls years ago um, where I would call up and be like, hello, this is hundred percent a cold call. You have no idea who I am. And I'm praying to God, you didn't hang up on me. Can I possibly have 30 seconds to tell you why I'm calling? And of course the other person sometimes hang up anyway, but more often than not, it actually got like a chuckle or at least like a, yeah, all right, go ahead. You know? And then I'd be like, well, hi, 
My name is Laura DiBenedetto and I own a marketing company and I am looking to see if there are companies out there who would like more clients. Marketing can help you to get more clients and I would not like to sell to you right now, but I would love the opportunity here if there is room for me to. Any chance I could possibly score a 30-minute meeting with you to just maybe kick the tires? <laughs> I got a lot of yeses with that. Yeah. I mean, I could tell right there of the things that you did well, like, you know, the intro, you you asked for permission for their time. You you acknowledge that it's a cold call. Your tone of voice, great. I could tell you that you did that for a long time. Like, you really had, you paid your dues cold calling. Uh, but <laughs> Nobody, also, you have no idea. <laughs> the reason I brought it up is my parents also were like, you grew up as a very persuasive kid. Like, I was the difficult one, the rebellious child who, like, would always find a way to get my way. And I had very, you know, strict parents who would say no. And I, as you got really creative in my Maybe ways. this is how you yeah. build salespeople is to be a really strict parent. <laughs> That's yeah. where it starts. That'd it's be a not cool nature, experiment. it's nurture or yeah. lack thereof. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, all right. So uh, one thing I was wondering is in, in your experience, uh, what challenges do you think face entrepreneurs and w- how do you think that's changed over time? Like what challenges do you think are faced today, even post COVID? Like I, my first, my entire career has been virtual. And Hmm. then there's people who their entire way of business has just completely shifted in the past two years. So what do you Hmm. think are some challenges of entrepreneurship that is just in general, that's how it is. And what do you think are some current today? uh, Great question. Great question. Um, Well, when you have a nine to five, you don't typically need to have courage every day as an entrepreneur, you do, um, and you got to do hard stuff. Sometimes you have to make a crappy decision that other people don't like, but it's the right one. Sometimes like letting someone go, maybe it's better for them, but even though it hurts, um, those things are timeless and they just suck anyway. Um, the, the thing that is probably new is particularly for those in sales, having to learn how to sell in a new way. So you say your whole career has been online. My whole career has been offline. So I retired before the pandemic hit. So the last time I sold marketing services was in person with an actual handshake and face-to-face, and there was no such thing as a mask. There's no docu sign. There was no... No, there's none of that stuff. So it was literally pressing the flesh, talking to people and I'm very good in person and I enjoy being with people. Um, you know, I'm able to build a relationship. I can spend time with them, have coffee, just earn their trust. Um, and just let them get to know me and realize I'm safe and I'm going to take care of them. It's hard to engender that kind of same trust online. I try really hard with, you know, the consulting work that I do, um, you know, and I have clients who I've been able to successfully sell uh, consulting packages to over Zoom. It's different. I'll tell you that Um, there's a a lack of intimacy. So your, um, your, your relationship building skills have to be much more profound. Um, People are also, um, I noticed this is a big difference, you know, so pre-COVID versus post-COVID. Pre-COVID, when I was selling in person, people would sometimes be a bit more liberal with their time. So if they were running over, they would just hang out with you for an extra 15 minutes. Now, because people have Zoom calls and there's no such thing as a commute anymore, people are generally on the hour and it's 
staggering how many people are actually yeah. punctual. I'm not used to that. Um, so that's an upgrade. I mean, um, you took the time to go travel wherever it may be to to talk to this person. If it goes over 10, 15 minutes, it was never a big deal. You still didn't have anything planned after because you had to drive back home or wherever well, your office yeah, was. Yeah, or just drive a hell of a lot faster to get to the next meeting. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I may or may not have broken a few laws. Um, I can neither confirm nor deny. But um, Some traffic you laws. Know, <sighs> or otherwise. Um, I think that there are probably a lot of changes. I think a lot of people are very isolated. Um, you know, I remember, uh, so living in Maui, um, I was watching a lot of the Islanders, you know, lose their jobs because all mm. the hotels were closing. And that was probably about 80, 85% of, um, the Island's wow. uh, revenue sources was the hospitality, tourism and all of that. Um, and I was watching these people struggle. So I created this Facebook group to try to like put people together. Um, and people are just as terrified now as they were then. And this hasn't changed of entrepreneurship, um, because they perhaps on a good day without a pandemic, maybe something bad happening, maybe they would think, oh, you know what? I can go be a handyman. You can't do that over zoom. Right. So a lot of these people who have more physical skills versus um, a lot of like business skills, right. They're better with their bodies and their hands and stuff like that. And the doing versus the thinking um, they're all acquirable skills, but there's a lot of people who probably could have gone into entrepreneurship who were terrified to do it because they would have to not only change the way their brain functions, but also exist in a weird pandemic thing. So take a guy that used to do the maintenance at the Marriott. Hey, go start an online business. He'll be like, what? Dude doesn't even touch computers. So I remember I led a, um, an online workshop for the folks on Maui in the group. Hmm. And I was, I was saddened, but I also understood when not a lot of people came and I publicized the heck out of it. I mean, there were thousands of people in this group. I mean, you're um, a marketer. That's, that's well, your specialty right there. Yeah. Publicizing. But you know what? A lot of the comments that people left on, oh, I'd love to go, but, oh, I can't start a business. It was, you know, because a lot of the businesses they would start would probably be in more in line with what they were doing for their job. Like someone who was like the handyman and maintenance at Marriott might go on to do handyman work on his own or yeah. someone that was, you know, responsible for maybe the concierge would go on and create a tour company, but you need other humans for this. So the pandemic has created a very unique situation where people are forced or invited, depending on how you want to look at it to create businesses completely on their own, with the computer and internet connection and a lot of loneliness and just hope and pray that it works. Either that or just go at it with sheer tenacity and just pray you don't run out of gas. That's a unique level of exhaustion we've never seen before. Yeah. And I think another thing should to be said about entrepreneurship and why a lot of people are kind of scared to it is it's a very vulnerable thing. Here you are taking your idea or what you do or something, you're putting it out there and you're just by nature of the game going to face a lot of rejection. And yes, and it's hurtful. that sucks. Like it sucks. As yeah, someone who gets rejected for a living, it sucks. Yeah. And you know what? Like the only thing that I, you know, I guess that I think everybody who is in sales needs to know is if they reject what you are selling, they are not rejecting you. They are simply rejecting yeah. that purchase. And there is a profound difference in one you should never, ever forget. It's Have a separation of agreements? role versus identity. Sorry. Have you read the four agreements? 
before by any chance? Yes, I love it. I think that's a wonderful Don't book. Don't take it personally. Yeah, don't take it personally. That chapter right there of that book is when you ever have those moments where something just pops up and you're like, whoa, you need like a second to digest whatever you just read or heard. And that, that, oh, yeah. that book to me, like that part right there. That one really lot. affected me as well. I really, really like that book. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great books out there, but The Four Agreements, it's great because it's like, it's compact. You don't have to read like this epic war and peace tome before you get to the yeah, point. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like a fat pages. pamphlet. Yeah. It's, it's great. just like a small book. And then yeah, it, the, everything is just like every page is like value, value. Like it's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. I could not agree more. It's such a, such a great book. Um, so what have been some of your, you would say bigger successes as an entrepreneur? Um, and I guess, I'm curious because because you've mentioned before how it's it's your successes were never fulfilling. Like, I'm trying to think. Like, when did that change? What are some of your successes as an entrepreneur now after you found happiness and felt fulfilled, like a fulfilled success versus the success you would have where it would be a great crowning achievement to your career, but you just felt empty. Well, I mean, retiring at 37 is uh, a pretty notable achievement was not fulfilling because I was just in a really crappy place because of everything I did to get there. Um, But I'd probably say a a bigger contrast, a huge contrast, actually. This is a great question. Um, In my old life, in my old way of thinking, I would look at milestones as successes. Mm. Now I look at every day as the success and the journey itself and the fact that I have the privilege of doing it because I want to, is the success. It's like, yeah, I know I'm going to get there. That's a detail, whatever. Like, Mm. look what I get to do today. Like today, you know, we were setting up, um, I think it's like Printify so we can offer merch. So people who want like bullet gear, they can wear our shirts and, you know, buy mouse pads and all this other stuff. And that was really fun to do. And it's like, my perspective has shifted because it's less like, um, you know, milestone moments, more of enjoy the journey. So it feels like success every day versus like hustle and grind to try to achieve. And don't worry, I'm still trying to achieve, but it's coming from a different place of like, oh boy, I can't wait to get there. I want to do this because it just seems fun. And it's like, I want to see if I can do it. That looks awesome. Versus like, I want to hit the sales goal because I want to do this thing. And it's just, it's a very, very different perspective. So I was on Fox News a bunch. That was awesome. But the high wore off. Believe me, it was fantastic at the time. I was so stoked, totally high-fiving my husband at the time. And um, But the high wears off. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you know, when I did my TED Talk, the joy was the journey. The success was being invited to do it. And then the pleasure of writing my speech. Um, so because I recorded my speech, um, in the middle of the pandemic, I did not get to speak in front of an audience, which admittedly broke my heart a bit because that was the whole pleasure of doing it. Right. Yeah. But the real gift ended up being the struggle of writing the speech and distilling everything I love and care about into 12 minutes, which is a lot harder than you think. Um, (laughs) I mean, believe me, I can be concise, but like, damn, that was a hell of a challenge. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm more journey based versus destination based. And, and that seems like a very good philosophical upgrade. Yeah. And I, yeah, I really appreciate that take also on the Ted talk, me personally, that's, uh, it's always been on my, one of my life bucket lists, I guess, for, for a work perspective, I love public speaking so much. And I've always wanted to do that. 
And it's really cool to hear someone who's done it say it was the writing of the speech and taking my whole love and life and everything into distilling it rather than um, actually going there. I, I think that's, yeah, a really interesting take. How do you switch your mindset? And this is, I feel like the common mindset is the destination. How do you switch it over to the journey type of mindset? Because I think that's really important also for entrepreneurs in general. Well, the first step is always awareness with anything. It's awareness that you can, that an alternate point of view is even possible and thinking that it has merit. I mean, I remember hearing this idea from someone else like some years ago and being like, hmm, that guy sounds like a hippie whack job. Cool. (laughs) And I put it just away. But then, you know, I started to like really internalize this whole happiness journey that I had to be on. I was studying human behavior so I could write my book. And I was, um, you know, looking at scientific studies and just really just understanding all this stuff. And I guess some of it was um, just an organic shift, but I think the desire was the main thing. If you want something bad enough to change inside of you, it will, the more you like really deeply agree with the idea. So if you agree with it, you'll embody it eventually, you know, because you'll, you'll start to talk about it more and you'll share it more and I don't know. I guess like when you have your high moments, you'll still be excited, but you'll just, just learn to appreciate getting there as well. Like, believe me, I still enjoy the highs. Hell yeah. Um, you know, I mean the stuff that's in the book, like I talk about the six aspects of the human psyche that actually are responsible for whether or not we're happy. Um, so in the Ted talk, the question I opened it with was, um, what do the happiest people have in common? And it's not what they do. It's not what they have. It's how they think. So my challenge to myself was, hmm, can I change how I think? The answer is yes. I can. You can. We all can. Um, I mean, we adopted these thoughts initially. And the way we thought before was something that we changed into. Why the hell can't we change out of it and add different things? So um Doing those things and achieving those six areas of mastery also helps you get there. Um, I've seen so many people go from like very fixated on, oh, I need to be a millionaire or I I need to have this and I need to lose 50 pounds. And no, you don't like, and just really just changing your mindset from like happy is in the distance. And after certain milestones have been achieved to, oh, happy is right here. And I'm actually closer to my dream life than I thought. And I don't actually want the things I want. I want different stuff um, as a reflection, you know, of the life I'm living now. Like I built this life because this is the one I wanted um, subconsciously or consciously. Yeah. Um, I mean, classic example is people who are like, oh my gosh, I need to have like, you know, $5 million or whatever. Like, believe me, millions of dollars. Great. Highly recommend. Right. But did you know, you can actually be very, very happy and live a wonderful life without it. You really can, but it's a decision, you know, like people want that because they think that's what happiness is. You know, it certainly helps you buy more stuff like cool vacations, but you can really do a lot to appreciate your life the way it is. Without that, you can decide to be happy now. You don't have to wait. Um, And, you know, sometimes what people really want is, I just wish I had a little bit more financial freedom. And a little bit is all they actually want, but they think they Mm. need to be a millionaire or whatever to be comfortable. Yeah. And that's not really true. Sometimes comfort is just around the corner and it just needs you to stretch a little bit. 
Interesting. Yeah, that's, I totally agree, especially with the fact that everyone can change their thoughts. But a lot of the times it's, we're so used and comfortable with the thoughts we already have, even though we may not like it, even though it may cause a lot of suffering, it's what we know. And, and a lot of times, yeah. like kind of, kind of what you said, when you first heard it, you're like, sounds nice, but don't want to listen to this hippie. Like, I'm sure a lot of people share, whether it be hippie or whatever other word they choose to use, like the sentiment of, uh, that is different. That is not what I'm used to. I'm sure it works for you, but that's not well, right. We me. get dismissive towards things that, um, might actually promise happiness, but seem too easy. We're just like, eh, there's no struggle attached to that. That can't be, that can't be the answer. Well, what if it is? You know, and um, is it easy? It can be. Hmm. It's just a decision. If you fight the decision, then it's hard. If you decide that's what I want and you're just okay with the journey not being perfect, then it's actually very easy. Like our, our unwillingness to accept messy is what makes things hard to accept discomfort. You know, I need to be comfortable. I don't like feeling uncomfortable. You, you do cold calling, you live in discomfort, right? So, the more you more can than get I'd like to admit, right. But like the more you can get comfortable being uncomfortable, the less the uncomfortable bothers you. And then the more you're willing to adopt new ideas and just take something on and let it not fit for a while until you get there and you grow into it. Like it's okay. Like someone like you and me and anyone listening who has ever made cold calls or done uncomfortable stuff, like you already know like what it's like to just sit in discomfort for a long time and, and then actually have a different tolerance level for discomfort because what was uncomfortable for you six months ago is probably quite comfortable for you now. Yeah. And then you continue to grow and your discomfort expands as you expand. Your skill level in that discomfort also grows because I I wouldn't say I'm still a hundred percent comfortable in the cold calling role, but I am way better than I was even two months ago. And not just that, I feel less discomfort. Like the dis- I get more used to it. So it's not as bad. It got to the point where exactly. fairly recently I was having this um, kind of down period, like a really down. I was just not feeling good at all. I was, I was feeling really lazy, unmotivated. And I was, I was looking at my numbers for cold calling. I just kept avoiding it. Didn't want to do it. And I realized Part of it was because I wasn't calling because I was doing whatever I could to avoid being uncomfortable. Um, I remember I took like a, a 15 minute nap and then I kept wanting to push it back. I woke up and I was like, I have to make my calls. I just started freaking out. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want, I sat there, made around 60 dials. It didn't hurt at all. Like I was actually came out. Honestly, that helped me push through that feeling of downswing for like two, three days because I was like, oh, I did something like I did what mm-hmm. I was supposed to do. I accomplished something and I fought through that discomfort. So me mm-hmm. fighting, not wanting to be discomfort, uh, me fighting, not wanting to be uncomfortable or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, actually caused me distress and like sadness and me it actually does. sitting in that discomfort and saying, Hey, yes, this is how I feel, but I have a job to do and I'm going to do sometimes it. Sometimes when we face it, it's fine. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes like old me is still in here. Okay. So old me, every time I get invited to do something, wants to scream, no, I'm not going. I don't want to, I want to be antisocial and stay home with my blankie. Leave That's me the alone. Boston in you. Oh my God. Like humans. Ew. Ugh, no. Right. Um, yeah. You've been to Massachusetts. You know how we can be. Yeah, so I lived in um, Brighton actually. Yeah. So we, um, 
we said we have fun as humans when we just say yes to stuff. Yeah. You know, I was always a kid. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then my parents would force me to go. That was really fun. Can we do it again? Right. So I've just forced myself at this point to just be like, Laura, just skip the crap and just say yes. So yeah. now I do that. I'm going to tell you a funny story. So um, I'm in Florida, um, North Florida. It's um, not as warm as Miami. Thank goodness. I might die in the summer if that were the case, but um, it, the, it it can get nippy here, right? So um, l- like a month or so ago, the water in my pool was probably like 48 degrees, um, month, month and a half, something like that. Um, but I dropped something in the pool and I really needed it. So that sucked, but <laughs> I was looking at it. I was looking at it. And I was like, oh no. It's very cold. <laughs> I don't want to go in so there. <laughs> I psyched myself into it. I was like, all right, this is going to be a maximum period of discomfort of 10 seconds. Here's my theory. The five seconds of getting in the pool will be horrible. And then the five seconds of letting my body be like, ah, is going to be horrible. But then in second number 11, I'm going to be fine. And if I can't handle 10 seconds of discomfort, I am an ultra weenie and I need to just call it a day. And I was like, I am not an ultra weenie. I'm getting in the pool. So I threw on my swimsuit and like, you know, 48 degrees. Phew, and I went and I even counted. I was like, all right, five, four, three, two, one, ah, one, two, three, four, five, six. And then at six, I was like, all right, my theory is correct. It's crazy how powerful it is not the brain that is. That's horrible. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh it was like diet horrible. So I can handle it. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Wow, that's pretty cool. I mean, I've I've heard there's actually like a lot of health benefits in, you know, like cold showers. Cold water plunges. Cold yeah. Water, yeah. Tony like Robbins baths. does it every morning, I've heard. Yeah, that's true. There there's a I heard in like ads for podcasts, um, there's this product where people it like freezes your water for you and like you just get in there every morning you're supposed to do like a couple minutes on couple minutes off kind of thing and yeah Yeah. i was curious i don't i mean i don't study the science behind that but well um i know it's really hot and super humid and gross here today um it's probably 65 in my pool i might go for a dip anyway (laughs) because um my body temperature needs to come down rapidly (laughs) i haven't gotten to the point I really want to put in the AC yet. I'm just like, no, I like fresh air. Yeah. I'm one of those. I yeah, mean, I, I will, that. but you know, I want to see like 85 consistently. Do you happen to have a daily routine or anything you follow? Uh, strictly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, just certain little anchors. Um, so I like mm. to uh, begin my day with, um, you know, just making myself a delicious coffee with lots of heavy whipping cream because yummy. Um, and, uh, no, I don't weigh 500 pounds. I'm, uh, I'm on a keto diet, <laughs> so I get to have all the fat I want. Um, so there's, uh, there's that. And I really like to just get organized. The one thing I do like to do every morning, um, is wake up without an alarm clock. And mm. I wake up when I'm done sleeping and <laughs> hang out with my kitty, feed the little monsters. I have two of them. One of them is usually sleeping with me. You know, I like to wake up naturally, make my coffee leisurely and just figure out how I want to spend my day. And, you know, I'll check my calendar and whatever. But like, I like to begin my day, not so much with gusto, but with peace. Um, I used to begin everything with gusto. And believe me, that can help you achieve a lot. But I did all that 
for a long time. Now it's all about peaceful beginnings. So I go, I, you know, punch in, I crush my day. I do all my awesome stuff. And then at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, uh, sometimes I'll hang out with my husband, whatever, um, has going on for the evening, but every single night before bed, I have a very nice bedtime routine where I dutifully wash and moisturize my face, which has turned into like a little ritual of just luxury, but also skincare. Um, it just feels very nice. It's very relaxing. Sometimes I'll put some of those, um, essential oils in the diffuser, just make my bedroom smell really pretty, help me sleep good. I love lavender. Um, you know, put the lights down really low so I can just, you know, get rid of the blue light. Um, and then, uh, say my prayers before bed and then peace out. I'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that you just wake up naturally wherever, you know, wherever the dice lies. That's when, that's when you're waking up. And I like that you said anchors. That's, I've never thought of it that way that some people have, like, I have a a pretty strict routine in the mornings, uh, trying to start my days with gusto, you know, hopefully someday I'll get to the point where I've achieved and can then be peaceful. But I, wait, 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 stop, stop. You do not need to be, uh, delaying your peace. Okay. You get to peacefully achieve right now. And that's one of the things that I want you and your listeners to understand. You don't have to wait. This is not like the life I lead right now. I do not achieve because I already achieved before. I achieve because of my peace. I really want you to understand that. That's very important. Like the thing you just said is exactly how most people feel all the time. Someday I'll start my day peacefully, but for now I got to hustle. Bullshit. Says who? No, you don't. You can peacefully achieve now. And you will probably achieve a great deal more because if you wake up when you're just done sleeping, you'll have more energy. You'll wake up happier. You'll actually want to do the damn cold calls. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. I'm on to something here. Yeah. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I'm actually really excited to read your book. I read some parts of it for this and it's something I, I definitely want to like dive into and awesome. Yeah, I, I really, yeah. I appreciate what you're doing, honestly, and helping all these people helping me out. This is, uh, yes, yeah, so far <laughs> it's been pretty great. Um, Good. but yeah, speaking of your books, so I normally like to ask, uh, what habits do you attribute to your success, but habits are your thing. That's even the the theme of your book. So, so would you like to talk about that now? Uh, what are, what are the six habits that you mentioned in your book and how have they, how have they shaped your life, changed it and added peace <laughs> because that is what so I instead of going do. through all six, because that would ruin the fun, I will tell you about one in depth. So, um, particularly because this relates to the conversation we are having, and I am speaking directly to you, the habit of goodness, which is habit number five. Really interesting. Yes. Okay. So this is about the energy you allow and invite in. Okay. The energy you invite in is really just like ever go to a nightclub, you see the bouncer at the door. You are the bouncer. You are the door. You are also the club. You are all of it. But when you let just anybody in, you're not doing a good job. And by anybody, I mean crappy news that depresses you. Yeah. Alarm clocks, if that's not your thing. Um, People who are really negative, people who bring you down, discourage you, podcasts that are upsetting, or maybe that uncle at the dinner table who won't shut up about the opposing candidate that you can't stand in (laughs) politics. Like everybody has their thing that will bring them down and take their energy away. So when you allow, again, my mom calls them energy vampires. 
energy vampires. Exactly. Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. We need them. But like using the nightclub thing, imagine this, right? You're the bouncer, you're the job, you know, the guy with the job responsible for making sure only the good people come in, people Mm. who aren't going to start stuff, people who aren't going to like raise hell and break bottles. And, you know, also just like be creeps and be like the night at the Roxbury guys. Are you even old enough to know what that movie is? It's very funny. You should see it. Um, (laughs) Google it. Um, Yeah. So if you like if you're not doing a good job, you're going to let the riffraff in. And then the club actually starts to suffer as a business. It doesn't do as well because just anybody and everybody comes in. However, if you're doing a good job as the bouncer, you're going to be very selective about who you let in. You're going to be letting the people who are well-groomed in. You're going to let the people in who appear to be respectful, people who've got the money to spend, people who contemplate make the place look good because they're more beautiful, right? Your job is to bring in the creme de la creme. Your job in your head is to do the same. You need to be the bouncer to be like, nah, 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 nah. You're going to start shit. Get out of here. You know, mm-hmm. go away. Oh, hey, you with your lack of boundaries. I don't think so. You get out of here. Oh, but you know what? You're fabulous. You should come on in and start seeking out good things to come in. So the habit of goodness is to consciously, like all the time, be seeking out good energy to add to you and making damn sure that there is no bad energy that will subtract from you because it just does, right? So when you think about your energy, you're only able to put out what you've got that's been put in. If you've been taking on loads of negative stuff, you can't put out like this endless beacon of light. Mm. You don't have any. Think about it, right? So like if you're bringing in loads and loads of good energy, then you're able to output crazy, crazy volumes of good energy. So you yeah. have to be mindful. It's, it's again, like, here's another metaphor. It's like what you eat. You are what you eat. If you're constantly eating nothing but cookies and pies, you're going to look like a marshmallow and you're not going to run up the hill. But if you want to be able to run up the hill and you want peak performance, you better eat a carrot or two, you know, and actually like, you know, be one with what you're putting into you. You are what you eat. You are, you are what you think you are, what you allow in. So in your case, thinking about this goodness stuff, Yeah. However you start your day, I'm thinking you might want to reconsider. Maybe you just need to actually go to bed earlier, be mindful of what kind of energy you're allowing in every day, and maybe be very careful about um, who you speak to in the sales world. Because if you're not hanging around, people are like, oh yeah, cold calls are awesome. I can't wait. I'm going to crush it. Yeah. Like if you're not hanging around with people like that, you're going to be like, I don't want to do this. This sucks. And you're going to avoid it. I think it, well, first of all, I'd like to say, I really see and starting to see how these habits are all interrelated with each other. Cause the one I was looking at is one that I've actually had some trouble throughout, not throughout, but like recently is more kindness and not so much kindness mm-hmm. to others. Cause I feel like I don't have a problem being nice to other people. It's myself that, that exactly. is the hard part. That's and I what see how it is about letting in goodness in your life and in yourself can lead towards more self-kindness. Cause it's a lot harder to try and change your thoughts if you're surrounded by negativity. And also, I really think it has to do with my, just the way I think and like see things should have to change. Cause mm-hmm. my mornings, when I think about it, like I wake up, I meditate, I journal, I go to the gym and then I start work. Like that's not, that's not, not peaceful. That's, I mean, I, I love my morning routines, but the way I think about it, it's like, I do that to prime myself for work. And then I just work. And then like, 
Right. I don't know. Now, what I, if you approach it from a more leisurely perspective? What if you created, you know, so my husband has notorious sleep problems, right? And he's like, oh yeah, I really want to get up early. I'm like, well, maybe you don't even focus on that, hmm. you know, for right now. Why don't we focus on building you a nice nighttime routine? So going to sleep is a pleasure. So then waking up is a pleasure. So then you can, you know, do things at your pace. Perhaps you can wake up when you're just done sleeping, begin your day with meditation because you've woken up in such a good mood. You feel refreshed versus disturbed. Mm. Right. So, um, you know, you wake up that way and then perhaps, you know, you go for a walk or something, or then you go for a run or gym or whatever you want to, but you're, you're approaching it from a different perspective. It's like, it's not that you do it. It's why you do it and how you do it. Right. So I'm not even saying don't meditate, please do. I'm not even saying don't go to the gym, please do. But why you do it and how you do it really matter. There goes another one of the habits. I don't want to give it away. The the last, the sixth one, but yeah, yeah. I totally see. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get the book. Yeah. You got to get the book, check it out. Amazon, wherever her website yep. is everywhere. I'll make sure to get it out to the world. Um, another thing very similar to what I've dealt with and dealing with is um, you've overcome ADHD. And that's something that's, that's been in your life. Once I overcame, I live alongside and have used to my advantage. I still have it. Overcame means I probably vanquished it and I, oh no, still have it. I'm like, ooh, shiny thing. Yeah. yeah that, that's so, still real, folks. <laughs> so have you lived alongside this uh, this partner of yours? Uh, yeah, me and my bestie. Um, <laughs> actually, a lot of the advice I just gave you. So I, I've learned to really just, instead of fighting it, I embrace it. And it's hmm. like, well... Um, I have it, which means that I think differently than other people, not in an inferior way, not necessarily a superior way, but just differently, which means that, um, I can't really force my brain to do stuff. So I have to have like total, like minute to minute autonomy over my time, because sometimes I can go into hyper-focus and sometimes I can't focus no matter how hard I try it. It makes me want to cry. And that's just, yeah. it's just a thing, right? Cause it's like, oh my God, I got a deadline, blah, 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 blah. But you know, I've learned to use these things to my advantage. And a big part of the reason why um, I don't like, I don't take meetings before 10 AM, never have, never will. Um, I don't uh, wake up by an alarm clock. I mean, I'm out of bed by like seven or eight every day, sometimes six depends, you know, I'm just done sleeping when I'm done sleeping. Um, but waking up peacefully allows me to kind of just get into my body, get into my mind and see how I'm feeling. And then it allows me to wake up happier. And I've noticed there's a direct correlation between my ability to pay attention to things. Um, if I'm happy versus not, um, if I'm stressed out, I'll be distracted by the stress. If I'm fatigued, I'll be distracted by the fatigue. Um, even just the sound of an alarm clock, it just makes me angry. Um, I just don't like it. So, um, you know, I've just had to use it to an, to my advantage, but also I've kept really unusual hours over the years. Like in my twenties, man, I had really weird work schedule, but like, you know, sometimes I'd sleep till noon, but then I would work till 4am, you know, I still worked a very full day, but like my brain didn't want to kick in and like really focus for me until like second or third shift. And it's like, okay. So instead of fighting it, I worked with it. I did my best to just, you know, not necessarily try to control it, but just acknowledge that it is what it is. It's not a bad thing, but it just really reaffirmed my need to be an entrepreneur. Like I can't work for somebody else 
and really achieve what I want to achieve or be awesome or be financially successful because they're not going to give me the fluidity that my brain requires in order to function at its best. Um, you know, like even this week, this week is a fantastic example. Like what is today? Thursday. Um, so, you know, last night I was at my desk till 10 PM, just doing stuff I got to do for the ammo company. Um, you know, just working on account setup. And then I was like, then I, I'm very good about boundaries with this. I was like, nope, 10 PM. I'm done. I really want to be in bed by 1130. I need time for my brain to shut off. I can't just, you know, stop working and then go to sleep. It doesn't work. I have nightmares and stuff like that. And just distracted, toss and turn. Um, so I need peaceful good night. Um, but then, you know, this morning I woke up refreshed and happy. Um, and I found myself at my desk again, um, even before I had my coffee, like I brushed my teeth and actually broke my morning routine. Um, because I just had an idea that I was really excited to do. I started it and then I was like, yeah, all right. I started it. And then I made my coffee came back, sat down. And then I got the pleasure of doing the work. So it, yeah. it, the whole ADHD thing, ADHD thing has really forced me to, um, bring pleasure into all that I do because, um, you know, folks that have this, who will, you know, will understand when I say, um, it doesn't go well when you try to force yourself to do stuff. It just doesn't. I mean, you can try and sometimes you can do it anyway. Like I don't feel like doing the dishes. You can do it. But intellectual (laughs) matters. You just cannot get your brain to do it. You're yeah. like, come on, brain, do it. And, and the, more, like, the more, the <laughs> more, the more you get frustrated at, the more it just seems to be like, you know what? I'm really not going to work now. And one thing you said yeah. that I really love is that you said, um, in order for my brain to function the way it's supposed to or properly, um, that's so true. Cause sometimes it's like, it's not that my brain's not working right now or just ch- chose a different time. It's that like the patterns or the rhythms that on which I feel really productive and just the hyper-focused you mentioned, like where anything in the world, the world could be on fire, but I'm so focused on learning this one subject or like, so in the zone or versus other times, it's almost like a monkey's doing backflips constantly in my head. And I'm like, please, (laughs) I'm trying to read. Like, would you just stop it? Yeah. The monkey has been in my head a few times. I mean, this is why something like social media can be very, very bad for me because, um, folks with ADD, um, we, I mean, normal people get really sucked into like quick stimulus and like, you know, scroll, 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 scroll. Folks like us will get sucked in even harder and hyper-focus that they'll look up three hours later and be like, where's my afternoon? Yeah. You know, I've like I can't believe it got so late. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> you know, my husband had some thoughts for me about TikTok. He's like, I don't think this is good for you. Also, <laughs> I think, you know, there's some Chinese spying going on. So why don't you just go ahead and get rid of this? I'm like, Okay. You know, and I appreciate that. I mean, I think the other thing about, um, you know, the ADHD is it's, you have to be really transparent with the people who love you, you know, um, and even the people who buy from you. And I remember when I was first starting my company, you know, I, I would sometimes tell my clients, like, you know, they'd be like, Oh, can you design a logo for me? Sure. I can. Absolutely. How long is it going to take about a month? Okay. Sometimes they would ask me, well, why is it going to take a month? It seems like it's a quick project. Yeah, it is. But I don't know when inspiration is going to hit. And that's an artist problem. Um, And I need to have the time and the focus to do it. So it's going to take about a month. I mean, in all all actuality, it's probably going to take me about six hours to do it. I'm probably going to run circles around everybody else. 
but I need that stillness before those six hours in order to have the six hours. And then the people that I explained this to, I mean, I honestly can say I never had anybody have a problem with it. I'd be like, you know, I want to do a great job for you. And if I force it, it's going to suck. If you just allow me to create something my way, you're going to see all the great stuff that's in my portfolio for you. You know, I like so, that. Yeah. That's that whole persuasion thing. It's not just selling people on, I can do this thing, but I can do it really well when we do it my way. Yeah. And I think that's just another great example on the importance of communication, especially with um, those close to you and your customers. Like, there you go. If they, if they would have been like uh, a month for this project, nah. Like if you explain that reason, it makes it a lot more, um, I don't know, it shows that you're a human too. Like, I'm not yeah, just going to, I'm not just going to work just because you told me to in a week. Exactly. It's not going to be the quality that you want. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, there was, I mean, I remember there was like a couple instances like, well, I really like to get this in two weeks. Okay, great. Like I've always, you know, I had my fail saves. So it's like, all right, well, then if you really want this faster then you know, let's get together in person, you and I, and I will bring mm. my sketch pad and, you know, then when we're talking, I'll just start doodling and let's see, let's see where it goes. You know, so I've always had plan A, B, C, D, E, yeah. you know, so yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, interesting. Like, I'm just thinking about like a few minutes ago, you, you know, you were talking about like the habit of goodness and, um, you know, how it relates to kindness and, you know, it really does. And it shows up here as well, because I was kind to myself in allowing myself to work the way I needed to work by being very clear about it, but it like, I think the difference is kindness is not how we treat others. It's how we treat ourselves and goodness is how we allow others to treat us. It's all about how we are treated. Kindness is you, how you Mm -hmm. treat you. Goodness is how others and things treat you. I like that. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. No, I am excited to read this book. Seriously. Like it's, it sounds like there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that, um, I could take away. I mean, I'm, I'm already learning talking to you. So. <laughs> well, good. Either, oh my God. I'm actually really excited to do a new edition of the book. Um, almost like the post COVID uh, book because, Ooh. you know, we've just, we've just changed, but also like, you know, uh, writing my Ted talk and just going through everything and working with a lot of my clients one-on-one um, and just seeing like the profound struggle. I, there's just more information there. Yeah. You have more um, experiences to add. Absolutely. Like there's so much rich texture that I can add. And believe me, the book already has a lot, but I'm, I'm like, I'm going to write war and peace. That's what I'm going to do because (laughs) this is such a big subject and it could really be quite expansive. Like, you know, just even the last couple of years, I've got so many more examples to talk about and I don't know, but then I get reminders. Um, and then I actually look at the book again. I'm like, ah, this is pretty tight. Actually, this is really good. I just want to do it. Cause I'm just obsessed with the subject material. Yeah. Like what I did was actually, um, so with the book, when you read it, I really want your feedback. Yes. Please leave me a review, but like, tell me your feedback. I, I love that. But, um, I think one of the things that irritates me about a lot of books out there, even though they're great and I admire the authors and everything, there's like the the gap between the, I just read the book and implementing it into their lives and people don't read it like, and then do something with it. The same so could be said I, for a lot of books and a lot of people yes. is actually having the knowledge versus applying. I think that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom is the, the experience yeah. that closes the gap. 
Exactly. And, you know, I, I didn't want to do that to other people. And I was so tired of it being done. Like now I very much approach all the books I read with a, I'm going to do this. Um, which, so I, I read a lot less books, but mm. I'm like ankle deep and I'm like, I'm in it, I'm doing it. And sometimes I'll read them slower, but I'm implementing as I go. Um, but one thing I was very conscious of while I was writing the book is like, yes, I'm giving you advice, but I want to give you the tools. So, uh, um, that's, when you, that's yeah. So you'll notice there's a bunch of invitations throughout the book, go here and grab this download thing. They're all free. They go with the book. They're just free. So you can download all these companion things that will actually help you do the stuff. I give you advice on how to do like, Hey, do X, Y, and Z. And in this particular format, also go online and here's the paper with all the instructions. So all you got to do is fill it out. Yeah. And I think that's, that's so helpful. Actually, the most, the best I've ever applied a book, um, is I, I did this thing where I really liked this book. It was, it was very thick. It was, I wanted to learn it so well that I actually gave myself like this mini curriculum. So it was 18 Mm. chapters and every week for a week, I would focus on solely one chapter. So like the first two days I would maybe read it and take notes on it. And like the next two days I would give examples of how I've lived this in my life. And then mm-hmm. I would, I would even do a field trip on Saturdays. Like I would try to do something relevant to that <laughs> chapter and That's I awesome. have never digested a book better. Like I just was living it every single yes. day. Like That's it was what... so cool to, to That's do the that magic. experiment. You nailed it. That's exactly it. Well, so originally this whole thing was built for me, right? So I built this companion thing because I didn't want to just know about the habits and be like, mm-hmm. well, that's great. I'm just going to still continue to be a miserable dirtbag. Uh, no, I need to live this stuff. So then I started researching like the science of habit. Cause I was like, well, how do I actually, you know, drill this stuff into my head science of habit. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. So I built this 90 day experimental program for myself. And I was like, all right, science says that I can build a habit and automatically do something unconsciously in at least 66 days. Come on, brain, let's see if we can do this. So um, this is interesting. For 90 days, my little ADHD brain forced myself to do this stuff. It was all different times a day, but I figured out a bunch of exercises and strategies to teach myself each of the six habits. And each of them has a different method to teach it to you, to ingrain it into your life. So I was living this way, seeing the perks of a different mindset from day one, which obviously got me excited to do day two. So it was kind of like self-fulfilling and like, you know, self-sustaining. But the cool thing about that was it actually evolved into a product that I, I can now give to readers when they're done with the book and they actually do the exercises. Like if you're not willing to do the exercises, you're not going to do the 90 day program. You're just not. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But anyone who does the, um, the exercises, these people are very likely and often do the 90 day program because they're like, well, I really want to do this stuff. I want to get to know myself and I want to know why I'm living in such these places. Where are these terrible thoughts coming from? Cause that's what the, the, all the freebie stuff gives you is like the self-exploration stuff. So then once you dive into trying to acquire all the good stuff, you can hit the ground running and you can feel amazing on day one. That's so cool. Yeah. I know. Uh, it's yeah. So fun. That's exciting. That's some exciting stuff. 
Um, sweet. Awesome. I'll, yeah. I'm definitely going to be checking that out as well. I know I keep saying that, but I, this conversation I well, is just the like fact energizing that you said it like five times. I believe you, sir. Yeah. And <laughs> I get, I get like really energized about this kind of stuff too. So I was, um, yeah. Awesome. Me too. Uh, now, obviously. <laughs> well, you wrote a book about it. Yeah. Um, I'm obsessed with the subject material. I can't shut up about it. Like somebody's like, Oh, you know, I'm such a jerk. I'll be like, excuse me. I have a book you ought to read. <laughs> you just pass it out to anyone who's an ass to you throughout the day yeah i should do that except um i, I want to make my massive four dollar profit so you know it's hard yeah I, independent authors do not make a ton let's just put that right out there Very i'm not true. doing this for the millions that definitely do not come from the book sales and uh do you happen to have any creative outlets that you do anything you oh, know yeah. for fun relaxing because yeah, I, well, I was going to ask about work-life balance, but it sounds like you got that covered. Um, yeah, I, I work when I want and I don't work when I don't want. That's that's my balance. Um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Um, I'm really bad at like doing stuff I don't want to do, um, which has its pluses and minuses, I guess. Um, but in terms of creative outlets, I mean, I'm a painter. Um, mm. So I produce fine art when I have time. Nice. Um, I, I love doing gourmet cooking. Um and baking and really fancy stuff. Like I make a lot of um, French pastries and French macarons. I've taken um, culinary classes at Johnson and wow. Wales. Um, so I'm no slouch. I'm actually very, very good. Um, I find it hard to be thin sometimes for this reason. Um, but also because I'm on a doctor prescribed keto diet at the moment. Um, that's a long story. We don't have time for today. Um, I refuse to eat garbage or the same thing every day. So it's like, no, 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 we'll be doing gourmet keto. Um, and this will be fancy because that's what I want. But the rest of the time, I don't know. I like to fix up my house. I mean, we just got here a year ago and it's nice to make it pretty. And, um, I have been a gardening fiend since we got here because keep in mind, I'm from Massachusetts with one growing season and it's cold most of the year. Mm -hmm. Then I moved to Hawaii and I was renting a condo and I loved it. And then I came here and bought a house, right? But in Massachusetts, owned a home there. This is the first place I have owned where I can grow things to eat and I'm doing it. Interesting. So I have an yeah. orange. Oh my God, I'm obsessed. I have an orange tree, a guava tree. Like I've got Ooh, a mulberry guava. tree. That's I've got sweet. olives. I've got figs. I've got key limes. I've got samosa lemons, blueberries, passion fruit. Hawaiian passion fruit, the list goes on. But Do you like, have a juicer? That would be so good to, to grow your own fruit and then make juices from that. It would be, but I'm such a purist that like, oh my God, when I ever picked my first Valencia orange, which I'm sorry, is the best damn orange on the planet. I like, I needed a minute. I like, I cut into it. I'm like, I'm smelling it. And then I tasted the juice. I was, and I'm thinking, you know, my husband was like, yeah, let's make juice. I'm like, the hell we are. We're going to savor this every bite of this, every drip. I'm going to, I'm going to suck the juice off the cutting board, like get out of here. So it's like a sensory experience, but like, if you look at my Google search history, you'll just see, cause I live in zone nine a for gardening. You'll see all kinds of weird plant names, nine a, you know, uh, I don't know. Rambutan 9A, like what is, whatever. What is like, 9A? 9A is the plant zone. So if you take a look at um the plant chart, you ever like pick up a seed packet? 
It's been a while. Yeah, look on the back. There's a map of the United States, right? And you can see it's a color-coded chart. So um, the it's it's numbered. I used to, I think Massachusetts was like zone four. Um, mm. Where I lived in Hawaii, it was like zone 10B, I think, which is a little toasty for a lot of plants. Um, but, you know, another place in Maui was um, like zone 9A which or 9B, which can grow different things. But there, the zones, the agricultural zones exist because they have different temperatures, altitudes, I guess, um, freezing patterns, heat patterns, stuff like that. So I living in zone 9A, I can do citruses, I can do peaches, I can do a lot of stone fruits, which, you know, peaches, mm. nectarines, things with a big hard pit in the middle. Um, I can do some berries, um, depends on how much I feel like sharing with the birds. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that will grow here. Like a lot of really beautiful Asian fruits. Like I've got, um, some canistel, which you've probably never heard of. Most people haven't it's uh egg fruit. It's got this weird, like, um, mango potato banana type of flavor. And it's got the texture of a hard boiled egg yolk. Really? Oh, it's going to make a damn good pie. If I can actually get the seed to sprout. Um, I think it has root on it. Maybe we'll see. I got like four seeds going. Keep me updated. Um, I will. Nobody cares but you, but yes, I will totally keep you posted. Um, but this yeah, why I do this big... is not just to talk to entrepreneurs, but to hear interesting hobbies. Like I never knew that there was zones on, on the seeds, but I mean, I mean, it makes sense, but yeah, it, like this, yeah, I'm always fascinated what, what makes people passionate and that's really cool. Yeah. I feel like the biggest plant nerd. So I told you, I don't like social media. However, I do have to confess uh, now on Facebook, I am now the proud member of like Florida backyard gardening. I thought and, you were going to say um, you have an Instagram account for your plants. No, but don't tease me. Cause I might, um, are you kidding me? If you look on my phone, I, I might actually be the most boring person in the world, but I am the happiest. If you look <laughs> at my photo reel, it's either a photo of one of my cats or my dog, some food that I made that's bougie as hell or something in my garden. Like I've got my aloe, um, plant it's massive and it's very healthy and it's got this big stock. And I'm like, Oh my God, you guys, it's flowering. I have to send a picture to everyone I know. And everybody's like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> The orange blossom is actually the, the Florida state flower. Yeah. You know I mean, if that's what it takes to make you happy. That's yeah. What it takes. Yeah, it does. So um, actually this time of year right now, the orange blossoms are in bloom and just even riding my bike through my neighborhood, I can smell this wonderfully fragranced air. Um, and it is such a delight. Mm. You know, I don't listen to music or anything when I ride half the time, like I'll just listen to, you know, just, you know, neighborhood stuff and smell things. And you ever have to like turn down the radio so you can like smell something better. I do that when I'm looking for, for an address, like yeah, I'm like uh, approaching it, turn it down. I'm like, wait, that didn't do anything. Yeah. 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 We're all insane, but yeah, that, that's <laughs> the thing. So yeah, I'm just living the whole, like, you know, Florida backyard agriculture thing and I'm having a blast. Awesome. Yeah. That's sweet. <laughs> How about you. Um, my hobbies, they include, if you see that, Mr. I saw the guitars. Yeah. I play, uh, I recently got a bass like back in September. So I've been nice. playing a lot of bass. Uh, I love playing music, uh, instruments playing. Uh, my brothers are actually musicians. So sometimes we like to jam. That's our fa- favorite way of bonding. What genre? Um, just, uh, like pop kind of nice. it's, yeah. Mix of 
of Jay Beebs, Ed Sheeran type of like the Beebs. percussion. Yeah, like the Beebs voice, Ed Sheeran's kind of like guitar playing percussion uh, while cool. doing live. Yeah, my brother's really talented, actually. Um, yeah, he's, he's going to be up there. Just you wait. And uh, okay. uh, <laughs> I also, my other two hobbies are I have a motorcycle, so I like riding and chess. Nice. I really enjoy playing and chess. And chess. Yeah, I wasn't expecting the you to come out with that one. Because <laughs> the first don't. two were very like, you know, testosterone. That one's very intellectual. <laughs> it's a uh, mind, body, spirit. That's the way I see it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I used to um, actually. You'll find this interesting. One of my very first jobs is I was the general manager of a motocross track. Really, I do remember that and uh, hearing that in one of your podcasts. I remember. I think that was something I was gonna bring up like later on is I was curious. You said you would have to drive people to the hospital and stuff. If anything happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I definitely picked a few crumpled bodies off the track and it's like, oh, Ooh, that's going to leave a mark. Let's go. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> the stuff that I, I will not be telling my mother, but I did. Uh, it's been, I've been Don't. street riding. Yeah. Uh, but I recently took a, a dirt, dirt biking track uh, course just to, to get better on. It. I just like trying different types and uh, cool. riding, riding on the dirt is so different. So like, like motocross, I, I gained such a high respect for anyone who does yeah. supercross motocross. Like it is so mm-hmm. like physically demanding, first of all, like you're, oh, yeah. you're in such a slippery surface. Like I thought it was hard enough finding traction on two wheels on the road, but then you get on the dirt or sand, even like it's the bike just yeah, slips no, out. on it. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, you know, that world was that world when I was in it was like really, really awesome. I saw some really cool stuff and I saw some guys doing massive jumps and everything. And um, there were a few really intrepid women who came to the track and they would do like all these crazy jumps and, you know, um, it was, it was really, really impressive to see. Um, I myself never did any of that stuff. Like, you know, uh, I would get on the quad and ride around the track. Um, you know, when it would freeze over, I would, uh, ride around on a snowmobile and that was really fun. Um, did baby jumps. I didn't really want to do the big ones because I'd like to live. Um, and I, I also was the cleanup crew when someone would fall and break their face. Oh, so I was like, I know what can happen. No, yeah. thank you. So, yeah. but I did end up getting my motorcycle license and um, I really enjoyed that, but I haven't ridden in a long time. That's sweet. I miss it. Yeah. My friend who's an EMT has made sure to share all of his experiences with motorists just to keep me safe. Um, but <laughs> anyways, uh, There's the, value the last, in that. Yes, that's very true. I have all the gear. <laughs> um, the The last thing is, I just have three quick questions. Uh, okay. That's that's very rapid questions, and they're just kind of to to share what uh, what kind of content you've been consuming. So, are there any songs like music, or any music or podcasts you've been listening to lately? Um. Well, normally I'm obsessed with reggae. That's my jam. Um, particularly like the California reggae, my favorite band is stick figure. Um, although today I was really like rocking out hard to uh, Eminem's lose yourself. That song actually deeply inspired me and, uh, is mentioned in my book. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you heard the song lyrics because you know, copyrights. Yeah. Have you ever heard the song Lagos jump? Can't remember who it's I by. Think so. Well, maybe I have, I just maybe didn't know the name. One of my favorite, like low-key reggae songs I'll, I'll send it over the name with the artist it's yeah okay. highly recommend to anyone to listen um what are any recent tv shows or movies that you've been watching uh yellowstone hubby really? and i binged that oh yeah that show is just like it's just chest hair it's just men being men <laughs> i've heard and good I things love about it show. 
No, it's great. And you know what? Like, I think that as a culture, we have really demonized men um, for being who they are. And it's really not fair. Like men aren't allowed to be manly as hell anymore and like tough and you protect their family and, you know, just. And the homestead. Yeah. And as the it homestead. is in Yellowstone. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I I really like it just because um, the men are just being tough as hell and they're just men. Um, it was actually one of the um, first things that I fell in love with about my husband. That man is a walking chest hair. He is like, he is tough as nails and he is manly. And I was like, that is hot. You know, and as a very dominant woman, very type A, very alpha female, takes a lot of man to be my husband. And yeah. that's what he is. What branch did he serve in the military, by the way? Army. He was Army? in the 82nd Airborne. He jumped oh, out of sweet. perfectly good airplanes on purpose. I don't That's understand right this. There. <laughs> he's insane, but his insanity is part of his charm. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you guys found each other. Your craziness matched and it all worked out. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what kind of books are you reading right now? Uh, that's a great question. Well, right now I'm listening to a keto book. It's Keto Continuum. Uh, Annette Bosworth is the author. That one's really good. Um, and then I was listening to think big and kick ass. That was a good one. Um, and then I'm reading, um, a couple of just, you know, philosophical, like personal development books, like on paper, I don't do eBooks. I don't know. I, I like listening to things. Um, you know, if it's like something that's more like scientific and nerdy and businessy, but the philosophical stuff, I like to just be very calm with and have an actual physical book. Yeah. Interesting. And there's something to be said, like, especially with those philosophical ones, those are the types of books I like reading before bed. Uh, don't like reading with screens or like, that's kind of why I read before right? bed to like get rid of my screen time and just. Right. Yeah. No more glowing so, rectangles. Exactly. The blue lights. Uh, um, I had uh, um, one of my friends. She also, um, she had me on her podcast. And I interviewed her to be on my upcoming one. Um, she recommended um, Og Mandino's book. A better way to live. And it's got like 17 little nuggets in there. Um, and it's great. Nice. Um, cause you don't have to like digest it all at once. You can just like one here, one there. Um, sweet. Yeah. That's a yeah. great recommendation. What are you reading right now? What am I reading? I recently picked up, uh, Eckhart Tolle's the power of now I've heard great things. Oh, that's it. a hell of a book. Yeah. Just started. And it's one of those books where it's like, not a it's not like a thicker, a lot, a big read, but it's like, uh, there are so many moments where I just pause and I'm like, Oh, I need to, I need to Have you read a new earth. I haven't. You're going to love that one. Mm. Like, Oh right. my God. I, I love the way he thinks. Um, also, uh, that is something that's actually a pleasure to listen to as well, because when, when he narrates it himself, he just has such a, oh, such a, like a tranquility about his voice that seriously, you can just go about your day doing your thing, you know, cleaning your house or whatever, which is often what I would do, like gardening stuff, pop in my headphones and just listen and just be like, wow, okay, gardening and deep thoughts. Let's do it. Like the world is great. Thank you. Yeah, I can do anything. Me and my little dirt clod right here. <laughs> Over here in 9A. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you're making fun of me. <laughs> I want to see the plants. Let me know how it goes. Okay. Um, I will send you photos, probably more than you want. 
Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, is there anywhere that people can find you recommend throughout the, the website, the books, the, the sure. plant Instagram, whatever, wherever anyone can see you. <laughs> There's no plant Instagram yet, but you never know. Um, if you go to the six habits.com, it's, it's uh, you have to spell out the and six, which is T H E S I X habits.com. Uh, you'll get there. You'll also be able to find uh, my marketing company website through there. Um, lauradibenedetto.com also has everything. Nobody can really spell it, but you can get to it from the six habits. Um, that's got my Ted talk on there. You can get an autographed copy of my book on there if you want it. Um, but otherwise my book's available on Amazon. It's also available on audible read by me. So if you enjoy the sound of my voice, you can have more of it by getting it on audible. All tranquil, all peaceful. Actually, I was pretty chill. I was pretty chill. I was really proud of myself and I had a nice even pace. So if you're like me, you can play the book at like 2x pace and and it'll still sound pretty normal. (laughs) Some people like to fully digest their words and that's good too. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Hope to speak to you. We'll keep in touch. This has been a great conversation. I really liked hearing everything about your book and yeah, I'll I'll let you know about me being more peaceful and getting kinder to myself and you'll let me know about those plants. Yes, absolutely. Well, you've threatened me that you're going to read the book multiple times now, so I'm excited for your feedback. That's true. Yeah, I'll pass it along to and see what what other people think. Thanks for Thanks. coming and you have a great rest of your week. Thank you, you as well. Yay.